Welcome to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Knowledge, experiences, and actionable takeaways from those who are killing it with short-term rentals. Here's your host, Jeremy Warden. All right, guys, we are live with the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Super excited to be here this week with my landlord. I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts in the short-term rental space and can't say I've ever heard anybody have their landlord on the phone or one of their landlords for that matter. So today will be a really interesting episode. We're going to give you guys an inside look at a landlord's perspective or a, a real estate investor developer and perspective and kind of how, well, A, you know, what, what they see as a whole for the real estate climate, what they see, you know, in their market for themselves. And also how you know they work with people like myself in a mutually beneficial way to grow both of our businesses. A lot of times I feel like folks see, you know, arbitrage as like a potentially a one-side game that somehow you're like taking advantage of the landlord. But I'm gonna be honest, guys, Devin's making a lot more money than me. So <laughs> we're gonna get into that and we're gonna get into a lot more. I'm super hyped. Devin, thank you so much for joining today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So Devin, just give us the background. You know, where are you from? How long, how'd you get into real estate as a whole? And just kind of walk us through your progression as a real estate investor from the start to where you are today. Yeah. So I grew up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, went to UNC. Go Heels. Right down the street. Heels. Yeah. So I've known you, Jeremy, for a little while now. I started working in finance after school, had a non-compete that stopped me from doing various activities except for investing in real estate. So I had a little cash saved up after a few years. So in 2018, I purchased my first property. From there, needed a little bit of work, met one of my business partners who has a construction background. And we started talking to each other, realized we have similar values and we could trust each other, which is very important. And we started buying some duplexes, fixing them up, renting them out, refinancing them and just growing it from there. Eventually we realized we have a service that we could provide to other people. So we started our own property management brokerage and unlimited licensed construction company and have started helping others do what we've done in terms of, you know, basically taking a side hustle and trying to make that their full-time gig. Wow. So I, guys, I feel, you know, I didn't mean to demean you, Devin, by calling you a landlord. Earlier, you are obviously a lot more than that. Devin actually wears all the hats, real estate. A, he's an investor. B, he actually owns or partially owns a brokerage. I'm actually a client of that brokerage, matter of fact. He also owns a construction company with, as he just said, an unlimited license, meaning they can build whatever the heck they want to. And, you know, he also owns, you know, he's a, he's a, he owns a property management firm that specializes in long-term rentals. So yeah, walk us through. So that first in 2018, you bought that was it a duplex, your first property, walk us through that first one and kind of like that aha moment of like, holy crap, I'm on to something here. I need to go, you know, I need to go balls to the wall and really go after this and, and, and turn it into something that I can, you know, turn into my, my living. Yeah. So it was a quad interest rates were a little bit lower back then, but not as low as they eventually got. And I just kind of realized like, just very basic math. This is what the long-term rental rate could be, and at least on those four units. And this is what my mortgage would be. And so how do I, you know, just buy that, optimize it? I needed a little bit of work. 
like Jeremy, you're very familiar with the, the property. It's the one next to Pony Source Brewing. Oh, um, I'm very familiar with that. <laughs> I'm on three three of those four leases there. <laughs> yeah, and so it was, you know, that, that particular transaction was relatively low risk and, and lower return, obviously, for that lower risk. It's just dipping my toes in, no real major rehab, just a little bit. And I knew there was potential upside because there was door to a fifth unit that really was just like an empty attic, not even with flooring down or anything. And ultimately, years later, really how I optimized on that property is by turning that fifth unit into what, what our office is where I am right now. And so, making it look, it's, it's beautiful. They did an extremely, extremely good job. Um, modern finishing, open floor concept. So yeah, what, tell us how much did that initial, just walk us through the numbers. Guys, and Devin, you know, he's modest, but he's a math major. You know, the, the numbers, Devin can do mental math, napkin math, napkin math on super complicated, you know, multi-unit transactions in like two seconds. Like I'm pretty good at math myself. I'm not, I'm not going to boast. I'm not that good, but you know, I'm, I, I'd say I'm pretty, you know, almost, you know, an 800 SAT math guy or 770 or whatever. But Devin's like a math phenom. So sometimes I don't even like I'm having trouble underwriting something. I'm just send it to Devin, not for short term rental purposes. But I also do look at like, you know, at the ARV value of things and things that are more Devin's domain. I'll send it to him. And, you know, he's he's really the guy to go to. So walk us through the numbers on that first property. Yeah. So the initial cost was eight hundred seventy five thousand Put 20 percent down. From there, it needed 50,000 or so of you call it rehab, which is relatively light for a quad appliances, tweaking some electric, putting some lights in here and there. And from there, I was able to rent each unit for an average of 1650 a month. With my debt payment at the time, it was somewhere around 3400 a month, not including insurance and tax. From there, two years later, I refinanced that debt and, and basically got the construct, construction line from a community bank, put the property out of my personal name into an LLC, and that helped me finance the additional 240,000 to finish up the fifth unit. So today, you know, what is that? Roughly the 875 plus another 300,000 of work in a little bit under 1.2 million. And of course I've been taking cash out the, the whole time. The property's worth probably about 1.5. And- Got it. And I free cash flow after everything, you know, call it 3000 a month. God, and his free cash flow, that's that's coming from my checking account right there. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Devin is making money. <laughs> Devin is making money on the property. Not only is he making that, you know, long-term rental cash, but what he gets is that appreciation. That initial, what'd you say, cost 875, you put 20% down. Let's just, you know, let's call it 175, 100, 175,000. Then you're able to refinance it. Now it's up to 1.5 million. You know, you use that refi to pay for the construction that then got it to that 1.5 million. So it didn't come out of your pocket. I know you said 50 grand for that initial rehab. So 225-ish thousand investment has now went up to three quarters of a million. Again, Devin, you're the math guy here, but am I, am I less, right with that napkin? I'm certainly more than doubling my money in a five. Got years. it. Okay, so pretty pretty good and and you've even i mean he's walked in and since then i mean that was your first one you've been yeah. able to kind of take that strategy and that experience 
and you've just rinsed and repeat. I mean, how, to this point, how many deals have you done? So we're in the 20s now. I would say partnership is in the 20s. And Got it. Personally, I have this one also. Um, and a lot of them are duplexes. So if we're just counting doors, yeah. you know, it's it's more than 20 doors. Yeah, like last year we bought a 16-unit complex. That's about to hit the market for rent. So Got it. So of, how you many? Know, you, you can imagine the curve on that. <laughs> Sure. So how many doors are we at? I know a lot of people like to use the term doors. How many doors are we at? A little bit over 50. Okay, got it. So 50 doors in five years, you know, and Devin was, what were you at that point? Like three years out of college, four years out of college or something? Got it. So he started five years, so 27. Now 10 years out of college, he has 50 doors. You have since went full time. You quit that w2 job correct yeah and now you know your real estate portfolio as well as the brokerage in addition to the construction company is your full-time gig yes and just walk us through the synergies of like having all these different avenues in your repertoire yeah so it's a major value for pretty much anybody I talk to, I feel like as a potential customer or client, if you would like to talk to me, understanding when you first look at a property, all of these components that go into how to analyze a, a deal that maybe has a little bit of hair, whatever you want to call it, it needs some sort of construction piece. You, it's like I was just telling my wife the other day, like never buy a property without going into the crawl space. But if you just talk to somebody on the street, like how many people actually go in the crawl space when they're looking at a house to buy? And I can be that guy who goes. Devin will climb into the crawl space for you. <laughs> he will get. He's a wrestler. He's a former, a former college wrestler. He will get his hands down and dirty for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because when you go in the crawl space, you can actually like see what's going on with the property. I can go to somebody and say, "Hey, here are some problems I see. This is what it's going to cost you. You either be scared and run to the hills, or like." Everybody else is going to be scared of under the hills. This is the opportunity. This is the, if you're going to buy two properties this year, this should be one of them. And I can, I can give that advice on the construction side. I also have the ability and the, the employees who, if you want to like sell that property after construction's completed or have us manage the property, we, we can handle that for you as well. And so you really get the, the full analysis of from the beginning of how do I even start talking to a, a lender because of course real estate is extremely capital intensive to get the money to, to the end point where it's like, okay, I have a stabilized property. I'm either going to sell it or I'm going to have somebody manage it, rent it out and then refinance or just at least start getting some of my cash back because some debt actually automatically converts from a construction period into permanent financing. Like how do you get from A to Z? We can do it all. There, there you go to. He wears all the different hats from wrestling into the, the crawl space to driving up in the nice realtor car. Devin, Devin himself doesn't drive the nice car, but he does have realtors on, yeah. on staff who will show up and, and drive the nice car and, and wear the nice outfit. No, yeah. if you're watching this on YouTube, you guys can look at Devin's beard right now. I don't know. Devin, when was the last time you shaved that thing? <laughs> shaved or trimmed, but shaved, shaves has been a year too gotcha um, so yeah, this, this is the trim down version got it so you guys are vertically integrated and i'll just walk us through what is your plan for the future and uh, yeah and then i want kind of I'll, I'll gear into kind of the airbnb aspect and like kind of our partnership and how 
on how that evolves. But yeah, what is your what is your plan for what's future Devin working on? Yeah, so we, we've gotten to the point, at least for ourselves, where we are finding infill opportunities that certain areas like Durham specifically, cities like Charlotte or Raleigh, they want some density. They want to maybe change what a neighborhood sort of looks like. And they are putting these rules in that allow for additional density in areas that otherwise were just for single family homes, where it's, okay, it's one house on a half an acre. And we are looking at those opportunities, buy the house, tear it down, put eight houses there. And having our ability where, where I have another partner who works strictly on, on development and permitting, we can basically do it all where we are basically becoming sort of a medium-sized development company where we're also doing the construction and then managing or selling the portfolio. So we're moving into those sorts of size projects, looking at townhomes, really focused on cities in North Carolina. Meanwhile, for other people, we, we are looking at rehabbing apartment complexes, which we also would do ourselves if it's, if it's a big enough apartment complex. Like I mentioned, we just bought a 16 unit last year, but a lot of people who are just trying to get their foot in the door that they're like, okay, I'm renting right now. Can I buy a duplex, fix it up, live in one side and rent out the other side? We, we will help somebody do that. Got it. So you're kind of, you've kind of found your, your niche right now as and then like some of you guys who probably follow real estate news are familiar that a lot of states, including North Carolina, are doing a huge push to allow like ADUs, for example, in the backyards of properties. San Diego is notorious right now because they just made a rule where you can build a essentially unlimited accessory dwelling units on your property, which is kind of crazy. If that were allowed in North Carolina, Devin would make millions of dollars on the spot the next day he would be building 25 50 80 U's wherever he can but states i mean there's a huge affordable housing crisis right now there's just not enough housing i mean that's really the core issue that we're facing if, if you look at the real estate market as a whole and you can talk about you know oh covid low interest rates high interest rates the whole like locked in effect and the fact that people aren't selling their house really like and devin i'm curious if you agree with me the main issue we have fundamentally is we did not build enough houses since 0809. There's just, you know, more demand now, there's more people, more immigration, and we haven't built enough housing to accommodate that. So, and and really states are just starting to catch on to that. Like they're they're late to the game and they need people like Devin with the experience and the know-how to come in and take what was one house on a plot of land before and turn it into eight. You know, that that's what fixes the whole supply and demand issue we have. That's what gets rents down. That's what gives people the ability to find affordable housing is developers building housing and government, you know, being a partner in that instead of an adversary. So I guess, hey, would you agree with that characterization of yourself? I'm coming, <laughs> you know, yeah, definitely. not one to wear a, wear a cape and fly, <laughs> fly yeah, around, so, but. Yeah, you have a basic idea that Construction cost to build a house is what it is. So the only thing you can really tweak at that point is what is your land cost? And the easiest way to tweak that land cost down is take a area that previously required half an acre to build a house and allow it to build four to eight houses on that area. You, you just decrease the cost and now made substantially more projects viable so that a developer will actually want to do the project because otherwise, Developers are just going to, you know, go to Raleigh, North Carolina, be inside the belt line, 
and build $4,000 houses that they can sell for $3 million. And you can just do one or two of those a year and you're probably pretty happy with your returns. Instead of focusing on middle-class housing, which is really what's needed in order to create the supply for the demand, especially in areas like cities in North Carolina, Durham, Charlotte, Raleigh, where there are just so many people moving here. And even, even before the pandemic, when everything really energized, there, there was already too few houses on the market for the amount of people moving here. But then you factor in work from home and people just, you know, having a change in what their work-life balance looks like to them. And there are even more people moving here because, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but Durham is an awesome city if you're like under 40 years old and want to be somewhere where it's happening. So Devin's pitch to you guys is move to Durham, buy a duplex that needs work, live in one side, he'll renovate the other one for you. So that... <laughs> then, then we'll build an ADU around back and you can move to another house and have three units that you're renting and do the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and then we're kind of joking, but I, I know mutual colleagues who are actually doing that currently and Devin is helping them do it. And they've made, you know, paper 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 wealth they've made hundreds of thousands of paper wealth in you know one to two years by doing that strategy okay so we've kind of talked about what you're doing what you're specialized on now let's get into kind of like how we work together and how a landlord like like yourself how they see partnering with investors you know business operators such as myself in order to essentially occupy your your list or occupy your apartments and your houses so first, I want to say that the way Devin and I got reconnected, so we actually did know each other when we were kids. His One of his buddies is my like childhood best friend's brother. And we went to the beach together when I was like, I was probably 10 and you were like 16, 15. And oh, uh, I was amazed because Devin was doing you know, four by four, five by five Rubik's cubes, like literally with his eyes closed. I kid you not. So that I actually, we got into Rubik's cubes, the three by three ones at that time. And when we couldn't do it, we were like, Devin, <laughs> Devin, can you, can you fix the Rubik's cube? So I knew Devin, but I probably didn't, I don't think we even saw each other, talk to each other until COVID or unless you can remember if in that the case, I feel bad. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not exactly sure when we, we got back together. You know, even though we both went to UNC, I'm at least five years older than you. So we never interacted there. Yeah. And so, so I think, I think what happened was Sean, the, the, your, your friend, my, my friend's brother was an architect and, and Andy was telling me that Sean was working with you to help, you know, architect some of these projects you were doing. And I was like, whoa, like, what's Devin doing? And I don't, Andy was like, oh, I'm not sure, but he's, he's doing a lot. Like he's doing a lot of different projects, which just got me intrigued. And this was like early COVID. This was pretty early in my, you know, my real estate investing journey. And I think I hit you up on like LinkedIn or I don't know. I just hit you yeah. up. I was like, Devin here, you're doing some cool things, man. You want to go grab a beer, something like that. Maybe I'm glamorizing this a little bit. <laughs> that, that sounds like me. Someone hitting me up on LinkedIn for a beer. Yeah. So we, we just met up. Devin just showed me, he literally just showed me the different projects he was working on. You know, he, he, we probably went to like five of his different construction projects and he was just like, yeah, I mean, this is, I'm doing this here. This is like what I think the rent's going to be. Do you, do you, do you yourself or do you have anyone who wants to rent any of these? 
it was pretty much, I think it was like as simple as that. And then one of the properties, a duplex, again, your duplex strategy, I was like, yeah, I think, I think this one, I think this one could work again. This was even early for me in my like Airbnb journey. So I'm not even, you know, as adept in, in where I am now, but I just had the feel that that property would be good. And you were like, all right, well it's yours, but you need to like pretty much rent it as soon as I'm done with it. Cause I need to get this thing refinanced ASAP Rocky. So, <laughs> and that's like, to me, that was like, oh, that was a light bulb moment of like, oh, people, you know, investors like Devin, like he's always looking at his next project and always trying to like stretch. Not, I don't know if stretch is the right word, but he's always playing the financing game. And the thing that's most important to him is having that signed lease in hand so he can go do his next pro next project. I mean, he's these projects, you know, he six months, 12 months construction, he might make, you know, he might increase the value of them a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars. Like that's that's what that's what makes him wake up in the morning is like the next deal, the next deal. So someone like me can be a partner and help him expedite the ability to, to do that next deal. Does that or what else do you like about me, I guess? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that particular project, we were wrapping up around February, sometime like that. Wanted somebody in as soon as possible because any landlord hates vacancy. Vacancy is like the devil. And so it just made sense instead of waiting, say, until the cycle around this area actually starts, which is around May, I can get two extra months of rent, which in this case is over $3,000. You're talking about $6,000. Plus, I can refinance and get that capital back two months early. And all I have to do is talk to Jeremy, see what works for him. Even during the construction phase towards the end, when we're talking about curb appeal, things that he might need done to make this a viable Airbnb, I can do those on the front end instead of doing whatever I was going to do to make it a true long-term rent rental and just do those tweaks what, what he, to exactly what he wants on the front end. And my benefit, I get, there's no vacancy. Jeremy's easy to, to, to work with. I just call him up if I have an issue. He can call me up if he has an issue. And that, that, that is something that, you know, I, I value. I think other landlords would. I know there are a lot of other landlords who are like, oh, Airbnb, they're going to they're gonna tear up my property. And it's like, well, not not really because Jeremy's a businessman who needs to make money. If, if, if somebody tore up his property, then he wouldn't be able to get the next guest in there. That's a problem. And, and I, I believe that you should be doing higher quality properties anyway. You're going to get higher quality tenants on the long-term side. So, you know, the same thing applies that those are the sort of tenants that I want in there. Those sorts of guests are also the ones that they're going to take care of it. If, if the property itself is a higher yielding Airbnb. Got there, it. So, there are a lot of parameters there. Yeah. And, I, and I'd say one thing that I, I thought was, was funny was that, so Devin, you know, not every landlord has a construction business. Devin happens to have that, which also guys like just, I want to thank Devin for his service to the housing supply in the U.S. by building. Because a lot of people are scared to build right now. Devin is not. He's not afraid. So, but that being said, like, I think you had one client who was, like, thinking about working with you. And they wanted to see an example. And, I, and then you're like, hey, Jeremy, like, trying to get this person as a construction client. They want to see some of our recent work. Can they get in to see your property? And I think not only obviously he did a good job on the construction, but a like we make them look good. You know, we design these well. I don't know what your opinion is on our design, yeah. but we make them look good. You know, and not only do we make them look good, we also want to keep them in good shape. You know, they're always clean, uh, and you know 
we're both business people. Like, I mean, obviously if we have guests there, we can't let someone in, but if we don't, it's a mutual, you know, it's a beneficial thing for you. You know, I I'm trying to help you. You're trying to help me. So we'll let them in. But yeah, I guess, have you shown clients kind of our properties or with our design and as like kind of an example, not only from the construction side, but from like a, a cosmetic yeah, side? Definitely. I mean, there, there are definitely also people who, you know, you talked about potential clients for me, they, you know, I know you do, you, you teach courses and you help manage these Airbnbs. Also, there are people that, you know, they don't necessarily want me to manage on the long-term side, but I can get a construction contract out of it. And it, you know, for particular projects they're looking at, like showing off that project, like that duplex that, that you're in, it, it's a win-win for the two of us. Um, you know, you walk in there and, and basically they're just like, wow, I get it. Like, this is feasible. Like, which, you know, th these are not small ticket items. And to, to just have a situation where somebody just walks in and just gets it, because when you see it and you can touch it, like, it's just a lot easier than looking at a spreadsheet. H having that sort of example is extremely helpful. And I, and I compare that to, you know, your long-term tenants. I have been in properties that in general, not even your properties, but just properties that were currently long-term rentals, as well as your properties that were currently long-term rentals. And like, what I have found is that a majority, at least in my experience, which I think I actually have a pretty decent sample size at this point, a majority of like normal tenants. And again, these are even places that, you know, Durham, North Carolina is a nicer town, nicer city. Rents are higher than definitely US average, but people are hoarders. Like people just have a lot of stuff. You know, it's like every time I walk in, like I tour an apartment that's currently a long-term rental where folk are going to move out, they have crap everywhere. And it's, you know, you got to kind of imagine the place of, all right, let's just, let's just ignore all this stuff. But a lot of people have trouble seeing past the crap, like seeing past, you know, what someone's doing to a place. So like being able to go into a place or even show pictures of a, of a listing online where there's nothing there. Like it's only furniture. It's only, you know, the, the fake plants, you know, it, it looks, you know, it's only the wall arts. It just probably gives people like comfort in their mind versus like walking them through one of your long-term rentals where you really don't even know what's going to happen when you open the door. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, especially like I mean, the students, like you, you really, you really don't know what you're about to walk into with students. Sometimes they haven't been there in a couple of weeks. There's trash usually everywhere, and it's not exactly how you would sell any service or product. So yeah, got it. Mostly agreed. So, and I would reiterate <laughs> exactly what you just said. <laughs> got it. So we have a good, good partnership there. So I'm trying to just think of okay, and you're like, let's say. Actually, I'm, I'm, so this is an example of the flip side of like, so people probably reach out to you a good bit or reach out. I know at this point you have a property management firm, so they're probably not talking to you, but you know, maybe they've seen what I'm doing. You know, we're on this podcast right now, so I'm sure yeah. we'll see what happens after. But then they reach out to you and they, they go, oh, you know, I want to Airbnb this house. Cause I know you've like sent me some where just like the numbers don't work. Like I look at it and I'm just like, oh, I mean, this isn't going to make, I mean, all signs point to this property not making money. And if any case, losing money, I guess when people reach out to you with that pitch, what's like the most important thing? And like, why is it actually beneficial for them? People say, oh, well, the landlord, once they find out how much money you're making, they're going to do it themselves. Like, why is it actually beneficial? A, like, what's your reaction when people reach out? And like, why is it beneficial for them actually to make money? 
you're talking about from the landlord perspective yeah like, from yeah, yeah exactly yeah I, I just i'm not set up to do that yeah they, they see it as leaving dollars on the table but you're talking about me setting up a whole new business venture basically which is a different risk profile and everything with investing is risk assessment it's a completely different risk profile. yeah i guess what you're answering right now is why don't you do it yourself yeah i'll, I'll just okay. rephrase the question why don't you do it yourself uh, okay so there are problems with, with any business. That's what you're doing in business. You're, you're solving problems. And I'm not well-equipped to solve that particular problem. I'm well-equipped to solve a bunch of other problems. But, you know, running out of coffee for an Airbnb guest is not something I'm well-equipped for. Now, if the toilet gets clogged, I, I can have a guy there within hours very, very easily. So it's just a, a different profile. I mean, you talk about risk versus reward. It's just not there for me. It's much easier for me to de-risk what I'm what I'm doing. Really, honestly, when, when we talk about like low vacancy and locking it, like I'll lock in debt for a minimum of five years. So I get an Airbnb, you know, arbitrage in there with you. Like that's locked in. Also, you'd agree for ideally a minimum of five years. Like I just know exactly. Like it's a set it and forget it, and I can move on to my next project and work on my construction where I'm making money and my brokerage and refinancing another project instead of having to basically set up this next business arm that I'm, it's just not where I, it's not, it's not what I do. Yeah. Buy 15, $20,000 worth of furniture, work with designers to make sure it looks good, work with furniture assemblers to make sure they're put together, get all the, you know, just, yeah. and then for, for you, it's just like, I mean, to be frank again, guys, I will say like, I've made good money the last few years. Like I'm definitely, you know, happy, but Devin's made a lot more money than me. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that, you know, again, like, you know, he, if he does these projects the way he underwrites them, he gets all of his cash back. So like, let's say he puts, you know, it's a, let's, let's say it's like a 300 K project and he puts a hundred grand in when he does that refi, he's pulling all that cash out. Like that's how he underwrites his deals. He makes sure that every cent, you know, goes back into his pocket to then do the next one. I mean, am I, am I mistaken? Isn't that your criteria? Like the way you underwrite is you want to make sure that when you do that refinance after the construction is yeah. done and you have a tenant like me in there that you literally get every cent back. If not, there better be a, a really good reason. Like, oh, this is actually just some portfolio in Greensboro where you're cash flowing so well. This is Greensboro. But otherwise, like the two plus we were talking about earlier, we paid 210 for that. We put 170 into it and it appraised for 535,000. We took 75% of the 535 out, got all our cash back. Got it. And then on to the next one. So you literally in that five, six months, you know, talking to me in February, getting a rented a few months later, you are yeah. increasing, you know, your net worth by hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, we bought that. That was an August purchase and you were in there in March. So in eight months, nine months, you on paper made a couple hundred thousand dollars. Roughly 150. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So he did that. Meanwhile, I've been renting it for several years and I will tell you, I have not netted 150. I mean, I've done, I, I would have to look to see what I've actually done, but it's nowhere near that. So it makes more sense for Devin just to focus on finding those and putting his time and energy into that side of things versus, you know, setting up the logistics of an operation for that. Like, you know, cause essentially when I put, you know, I put 20 grand of furniture into that, apartment or that house and like my criteria is i want that paid back in eight months so i put in 20 grand 
And I didn't even get my initial cash investment back for probably six, seven months. Whereas in that same eight month period, not only did, you know, Devin get his cash back, but he got that equity value. I didn't get any equity value. Like that furniture is not an asset. Some would argue it's a liability. So in that six, seven months, I made my initial cash investment back. Meanwhile, he not only recouped his cash, but now he has an asset that is a cash flowing. You know, I'm paying him rent each month. I'm sure I'm paying you more than whatever the mortgage is. And B, that equity, you know, that that appreciation, it's gone up in value. You're paying down the mortgage each month. So that principal pay down, you're capturing all of those benefits where I'm merely recouping monthly cash flow. And guys, sometimes January, February, it might not even cash flow. Like that's, you know, the nature of seasonality. It, do, it does cash flow. I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't be doing it if it didn't. But my point being is like, why would a landlord allow this? Well, guys, a lot of landlords are making a lot of money. And, you know, you can be a partner for them. Again, like I, I couldn't even get a loan, you know, probably when Devin and I started working together. Like I had, Airbnb was like, and arbitrage and co-hosting was like my, my way into the game. That was my way into the game. I couldn't get the financing. But now, you know, a couple of years later, I've had that cash flow. I've had that revenue. I can show it on the books. I can show it to the IRS. I can show it to banks. Now I'm hitting Devin up as an investor, you know, and I'm saying, and for example, I just, I bought a property with Devin, Devin's brokerage, probably what, like three months ago. Yeah. And, and I was about to put another offer in on another house this week, but apparently it just went under contract without us knowing that it was a competitive situation kind of bummed about that one. And that one would have needed work. That one would have needed a wall slammed in the middle out of it. So would have definitely hit up Devin on the construction side. So my point being guys is like relationships, you know, it's relationships are key. You know, your situation today is not your situation tomorrow. Like you should definitely focus on what you're uniquely gifted at. And, but ultimately you want to own the asset long-term. I think that's something that me and Devin talked about early on. And that, you know, it was really good for me to know, what his goals and his objectives and missions were. Devin, a lot of flippers just sell. And Devin has never been, you know, you, have you ever sold anything? No. Devin doesn't sell. And why is that? I mean, there's just some basics. If you think about who the wealthiest people are in the world, they are people who you find the project that works. It's a winner on the front end and winners continue to win. So do not sell. It's a leverageable asset getting the deal in the first place, just take it, refinance if you have to, be patient, be disciplined. Like that's way, way better than, you know, a lot of these guys now, now interest rates are way up. They, they might be struggling a little if they were flippers. Some of them got stuck last year when the, the house value dipped 20%. Like the, they thought they were going to flip and, and make 15%, but instead they lost 5%. Like they were, they were doing really, really well for three years and then a bad year happened. Whereas with my properties, with that duplex that, that Jeremy is doing his arbitrage on, I have a debt payment due. I have rent coming in. There's a little bit of spread on top. And I get to, to eat lunch and dinner tomorrow without having to worry about where the money's coming from. Exactly. And yeah, be a gatherer. It's better to be the gatherer than the hunter. And in terms of just like relationships, you know, as a whole, I think it's really important real estate and just like any type of business is a game of relationships. 
like honestly to be frank like the reason i'm comfortable you know i, I do have other landlords and you know honestly some of them like maybe i just haven't known them as long like i probably wouldn't feel comfortable having them on this podcast because you know we just whatever like our relationship isn't in that place where i feel comfortable but here like you know i trust like i'm we're being very transparent we're 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 giving our like i mean we're giving numbers on like exact deals but you know again i look at it as like i help devin out when i see a situation that is beneficial for him i'm going to help him out you know i'm going to i'm going to give him a lead for whatever he's doing throw it his way vice versa you know the first time you know when he has a new deal or opportunity he's going to or hopefully i know i know you have maybe you have some more deals he's going to run it by me and give me the first look at it. And, you know, 30, 20 years from now, we're going to look at where we are and be happy that we helped each other get there. You know, so it's like, you got to look at things as a mutually beneficial thing. And that's why real estate and business is so great, because you can essentially by helping someone else and adding value to them, you can receive, you know, you, you know, what goes around comes around. So I don't know if you echo that, that sentiment. Yeah, yeah. I have monthly meetups both in Charlotte and in Durham that, that our realty firm puts on where we just go and we, we talk to other people and really all levels of experience, people who know nothing, who don't even have their first property to other people who own apartment complexes. I have other builders there who I'm technically com competing with, but I, I talk to them because we can learn from each other. We're in a similar environment, see what other people are up to and, and networking is the way to get there. I also think, I mean, that was something that, that, you know, if I go back to just like business school at UNC, like they teach you networking like day one, like how important it is. You really don't realize it at the time in college until you get out. But also, you know, a component of that is, you know, you never know who anybody is going to be five, 10, 15 years from now. And you just don't, don't burn the bridges. You know, I think about the, the help and advice that I don't know, specific advice that maybe you got from like entrepreneurship professors in college. But those guys, I mean, they're, they're madly successful and they're, they're just sort of around to give back. And, 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 you know, like you said, if you believe in karma, it goes around, it comes around, like that, that's, that's the way the people who taught me how to do business, you know, that's how they're functioning. So that's why I do business that way. Just always just, you know, be, be, be open-minded to listening to people, to helping people if they're sincere and, and don't burn any bridges. Absolutely. Bridges are not meant to be burned, but also... And I'll give kudos to myself in this, in this situation. Just, you know, I was a younger guy. I was probably when I reconnected with you, I may have been 23, like just out of college, beginning of COVID. And I saw someone who, to be frank, like I didn't know, but it was, you say we were friends was kind of a stretch. Like I hadn't talked to Devin, you know, obviously didn't hate each other, but we hadn't talked or <laughs> seen each other in more than a decade, but I just hit him up to grab a beer. You know, I, again, I, I didn't even know exactly what would come from it. It wasn't, you know, I didn't pitch him on Airbnb arbitrage. I didn't pitch him on co-hosting. I literally just hit him up and said, Hey, are you around or, and, or do you have time for a call? Do you have time to, to link up? And he just showed me around, you know, he, it wasn't even, wasn't transactional. It wasn't like, it was just, all right. Yeah. I'd be, I'd love to just like show you around, show you what I'm doing. And from there, you know, opportunistically figured out a way to get involved in what he was doing. And so, yeah, so it's just, I mean, my, my recommendation for, for people listening to this who are looking to get into, it doesn't even have to be at this point. It doesn't have to be Airbnb arbitrage. It doesn't have to be co-hosting. doesn't even have to be real estate. 
as a whole, just like whatever industry you want to do, just hit someone up and you, you don't even have to like have vaguely know them. You know, you don't have to have went on a beach trip when you were 10 years old with them. Literally anybody you see out there on LinkedIn, on Instagram, that's just like doing something interesting and in a field where you want to be, send them a DM. I mean, I would recommend trying to add value. And I did, I guess I did add value to you. I, I paid you monthly rent. <laughs> that was what you needed at the time. But if I didn't have that, I may have been, hey, Devin, you need a project manager for your for your flips. You know, like if that was something that he actually, you did mention to me, that was something you were looking for at around that time. At that point, I was, you know, doing a bow rental business. I was also starting to take investor capital to go out and buy Airbnbs and, you know, doing more arbitrages. So like, that wasn't my vertical, you know, I was doing something else. But like, if I hadn't been, when you told me that I may have gone, sure. Oh, or not even sure. But like, here's my resume, Devin, let's let's do it. So I guess what would you say to like someone who's looking to get into real estate? And, you know, they're not sure how to start, you know, there's all these different, you know, there's Airbnb, Section 8, home flipping, I guess, what would you recommend to someone looking to start in 2023? Um, do they already own their their own place or are they renting? <laughs> they they don't own. So let's say right, two cases. One they have <laughs> yeah. they have they have great they have great conventional financing options. Yeah. Two, they've got credit card debt. They're, they're they're looking to just figure it out over the long run. Yeah. So the the easy we'll go the easier route. The easier route one depends on their risk tolerance. If they if they are low risk, I would just go buy an already fixed up quad, live in one unit, rent out the other three. The house the happy, hat. yes, house hat basically. The one that I really prefer is somebody who's you know 24 years old looking for their first house, and they may get something that's called like two or three k loan, where they can actually rehab the house that they're going to live in. You go, you buy that, then you have six months to rehab the house before you have to move in it. You have to live in there a minimum of one year, but you could add a tremendous amount of value in getting that house, which also in this interest rate environment just might be the, the better way to go when you're talking about risk reward. And then I guess the last route is they've got bad luck, bad credit, bad everything. How do you get in? I think you need to just figure out a way to maybe get your real estate license, something like that, get construction experience, get an actual skill of some sort in real estate to just get your foot in the door. Project um, from- manage for you. Yeah. Are you looking oh, for project managers? Not currently, but I'm growing, so I will soon. <laughs> well, I'm always looking for, for real estate brokers who are, are young, aggressive, and looking to just get deals done and, and get themselves a commission. You know, there are other firms out there where you can be a real estate broker, and instead of like taking actual cash compensation on a transaction, you can get equity in the deal. There are a few firms out there like that. But that's one way that that, that sort of person can actually get actual real estate with you know no capital you just go and you find somebody with capital and you do the deal for them and you broker it and you get a little you get a little piece of that deal there are possibilities like that out there but outside of that really just get a skill like yeah if you want to make more money learn more skills that's general in life like learn skills you will make more money yeah you, you might not be able to do and i i can't even do the mental math like like Devin. But there is some skill out there that's for you, whatever it may be. And, you know, this isn't even, again, this is a short-term rental podcast, but 
There's many high value skills out there. And if you want to get into real estate, maybe your route of getting there is getting the highest value scale possible, making as much, getting access to financing, and then hitting Devin up so he can he can take a single family lot and have you build you know, build a quadruplex with you that will provide you know generational wealth for your family. So Devin, so obviously you're doing a lot, you're doing a lot of deals. You have all these different companies now. I guess what is what is your long term long term goal? Like what what Devin thirty years from now, where are you? 30 years, I'm probably chilling on the beach or the mountains. All right, 15 um, years, (laughs) 10 years. Yeah, it's about that financial independence where I don't have to worry or stress, really. I'm I'm not a very materialistic person. I, you know, I I value my time. I obviously enjoy real estate. So, you know, I tell people I'm going to retire in a few years. And they're like, well, what does retirement look like to you? I said, well, I'm still going to do deals. Like, like, well, that doesn't sound very retired. It's like, well, it's different. I can be choosier about who I work with and really only do a few deals. So I'll probably cut back on that. But ideally, I built a machine where there are a few key people running my business that they take my role right now, where they're they're going in the crawl space and they're-, they're Retirement for you means not going into the crawl spaces, <laughs> essentially. Much. I'll essentially what you're doing that. right now, but not going into the crawl space. Yes. Yeah. So much. someone who's looking to add value, you literally, all you got to do is go into the crawl space for Devin's and make it so he doesn't have to do that. Yeah. yeah you have to learn what you're looking at in the crawl space. That's a, that's a pretty key skill there. Uh, Devin, I will admit I'm, I'm six foot three. I am not going into the crawl spaces. I, I, I do when I buy a place and it's painful. I don't know if I could do it for other people, man. I'm, I'm just saying you might have to Count me out of the search for the crawl space. <laughs> I'm sorry we can't do business <laughs> in that regard. Yeah, but I, you know that, that's where that's where I'm going to get to. Um, you know, I'd I like you know honestly like wrestling coaching. I just started doing that again. Like if I have more time for that, I'll, I'll do some of that. You know, it, it comes down to that work life balance. Looking at like starting a family relatively soon, I guess we'll, we'll see. And you know, where where do you want to be at a certain age? For me, this is like sort of the path on the timeline that I could choose more, you know, with, with more control over what, what, you know, what, what, what I'm getting to prioritize. And that, that, that's what real estate's at least, you know, I'm not quite there yet to where I want to be, but I'm well on my way to, you know, you know, getting to really prioritize my debt time and not my work time. God, so you'll be on the hunt for less deals for me. Dang. All right. Now I'm not, let's, let's not, let's not allow, allow Devin to retire. So he stops <laughs> looking for deals for me. Okay. So I, and I, I kind of asked this earlier, but I think I did a poor job of articulating it, but you know, you do, I mean, you've, you've mentioned to me before that, you know, when you put a listing online for rent, I mean, obviously arbitrage is hot, is hot nowadays, you know, it's, it's hot, especially with young, you know, young, younger folk. Like honestly, I was, I am now, I was a couple of years ago, they hit you up. And I guess what are like some of the like people who give a good pitch, what's their good pitch. And then those who don't give a good pitch, like why isn't their pitch good? Yeah, I think it comes down to experience. I think about it the same way that like hard money lenders look at, at different people. It's like, you go to the hard money lender, you try to get a loan. The hard money lender is like, okay, show me your experience. Like just does your work speak for itself? Like, you know, for me, anytime I need a loan, I'm from a hard money guy. It's like, look, Here's a refi I did a couple of years ago with nine properties on it. Like, 
give me the loan. I'm good for it. And then that's how the, the hard money guys like look at it too. Just show that you know what you're doing. So I know like for, for, for someone who's just going to get in, I don't know if like co-hosting is, is how they get in with you so that you can share your experience to actually convince the landlord that, that they have that experience. But otherwise it, it's very tough for me to, to know that somebody knows the numbers that actually go into, you know, getting the project complete getting to the point where they're, where they are cash flow positive. That, that's the same concern that the hard money lender has. You have a property that needs to be fixed up. Do they have the construction experience to fix up the property to either sell the house or get a tenant in there and refinance that the, the sort of way to prove it on, on the pitch is to be like, here's where I've done it already. You know, for, for hard money lenders, usually if you've done it twice, that's enough to prove it. I don't know exactly if there's a number like that for the Airbnb, but Certainly at, at least once, if you haven't done it at all, being able to partner with somebody who has or taking the plunge on your, on your own, like buy your own duplex and, and do it with the other side, the other unit that, that can really show a potential landlord like, Hey, this is how I know I can do it because I'm doing it. Otherwise, you know, I, I know there are properties out there where people have come and pitched me on it. And I said, I already know I spoke to Jeremy that like, I'm asking 2,100 in rent and you know, he's like the most I can pay make any money here is $1,400. So whoever is trying to do that deal is probably going to lose $700 a month if they go with you. So it's like, you know, if, if you come at me on that, I'm, I'm going to tune you out on every future deal too, because I knew you didn't know your numbers on the first one. So know your numbers, I guess, and improve you. So they have, they have no experience, A, they have no experience, and B, they're just, they're just like, they're assuming that they can just kind of make money, which is, I think, you know, I try to like know your numbers. I always say, know your numbers, know the variables. Like you need to know the variables. Like at the bare least, know, you know, know that how much the internet is. Like, do you know how much the internet costs in Durham, North Carolina? Cause you know, guys, I have rural properties where I'm spending $150 a month on Starlink where I, you know, whereas in Durham, you know, there's several internet providers, but folk just kind of like reach out and they don't actually understand the variables. And they might put themselves in a situation where they're literally losing money. And, you know, Devin comes from that. Again, he's, he's relating it to a hard money lender where they're not going to give you money unless they know you're going to make money. Like they want you to make money because that's where they feel secure. So for you, like you want to feel secure that that tenant, again, like you said earlier, five years, like you, you have confidence that when we're going into a property or I'm going into your property, I'm staying five years, you know, I'm not staying one year and then calling it quits because you know that then it wouldn't be good for me. So you want someone who and, and if they're losing money in year one, that kind of defeats the purpose and they might, you know, be more likely to leave or to just, you know, stop paying rent or have some situation arise there. So I guess, yeah, is that what happened? When someone reaches out, you know, starry-eyed and you know, all excited, and they don't have a track record as well as you know, do you ask them like, how much do you think this property will make? I mean, I know you ask me like, and I'll show you, I'll be like, here's, here's the data that I'm looking at. This is how much I think it's going to make. Like yeah. I show you the numbers. Do they? The truth is I already know if it works for an Airbnb or not by the time they've reached out because I probably already talked to you, honestly. So I, I yeah. know like, Hey, like it doesn't work. Otherwise I would be doing it already. Like, they, <laughs> <laughs> like so it's, it's difficult for me personally. Uh, on those particular cases, unless they, they get me before I even like have a project that looks like viable. Like I have new build construction, although 
honestly, like a new build in Durham, just it wouldn't work for arbitrage because of the sort of rent I can get on the long term side. I'm going to ask for it. Like it just doesn't make sense. Because you're also me. building for long term is at this point. Like you're building, yeah. you know, that I think we've talked about. You're kind of like buy box is that like three, four bedroom townhouse, you know, that, you know, kind of like some shared, shared driveway situation. Whereas like in my experience, the properties I do with you that work for the most part is like they have a private, you know, private backyard that their dog can kind of like run around in. And that's the reason why, you know, things do well from, and that's why the one we worked together, we built a, a fence in the backyard because that yeah. was the amenity that I saw that, Hey, if we have this amenity, people would rather stay here than stay in a hotel downtown, you know? Yeah, so there are markets specifically it's knowing the market. This is a good point on knowing your market. Like there are, I, you know, I, Jeremy is not the only Airbnb arbitrage guy I've talked to in the past. Like everybody knows like the two bedrooms, the one bedrooms in Durham for whatever reason. They're more profitable than than the three beds. Like everybody will tell you, and I guess this is something you can pull from AirDNA. The three beds do not pull substantially more revenue than a two bed on a, on a short term rental in Durham, North Carolina. So when you talk about what a landlord's going to charge, he's going to say, "Well, I, I want more money for a three bed than a two bed." That's just that makes sense, and it does the increase from the landlord perspective on the long term is substantially more than the increase on the short-term rental side revenue going from the two bed to the three bed. So that's another point when like somebody reaches out to me and they're like, oh, I see this three bedroom house you have over here. I'd love to do Airbnb there. I'm like, I, I know it doesn't work. Like it just, it just doesn't. The only thing that, that works in Durham goes one and two beds. And then and sometimes these like larger four or five bedroom situations. Uh, Which are totally different. Talking about like knowing your market, knowing your clientele the one to two bed and the four to five bed are completely different clientele. The one to two bed, you know, you can get the folk, like for example, I, at one of your, your quadplex right now, we have folk who are there because I think they are doing Wicked. Dur Durham is hosting yeah. like Wicked for a month. I guess Deepak, Deepak is, has Wicked for the month. So we have like, you know, a like, two separate wicked actors renting, you know, a, renting different apartments because they want an apartment for a month, you know, while they're traveling. So you get that like monthly travel for like one, two people, but yeah, three bedrooms. It's like, you don't really get that. And you also don't really get like that big family who's, you know, coming for graduation or coming for, you know, to move their kids into college. Like you don't get, you don't get that like family reunion. So you got to know like who is coming to a specific market and like you got to understand that you know that four or five bedroom might be completely different than that one two bedroom and this you know for you is maybe not as pertinent obviously but for me like that's i want to know the clientele that i have like going into something like i'm like who am i dealing with here what types of stays like i don't want that to be a mystery for myself i don't want to be surprised by it so i think it's really interesting that that's the same for you too. Like you want to know that the type of property that you're renting is actually going to get like the type of clients, a volume, obviously you want it rented. You want your tenant making money so that they, you know, you're confident they're going to pay their rent. But B, you probably want to know, like, I mean, for instance, you work right above the three apartments I'm renting from you. <laughs> Do you have issues with the, with our tenants? I, I guess, tell me, let's, let's hear you clear the air. I mean, from time to time, but I have issues with my long-term tenants from time to time. So it, it's no real different. 
but you know it, it goes back to like on the long-term side the same questions are asked like how do you like like who, who is going to live in this house would i live in this house those sorts of questions that you ask yourself when you're looking at, at a deal i mean one key thing is like for me when i'm looking at something is like are more people tomorrow going to want to live here than yesterday and that, that that's that's for when you're buying a property i don't know necessarily if it's applicable for arbitrage but if you are arbitraging and owning your own property you might want to ask that question are more people going to want to stay here tomorrow than we're staying here yesterday so and would you say that's like pop population growth is kind of the yeah. the variable that dictates that? Yeah, and I mean that's like you know, and again maybe I'm biased, but like you talk about these metrics like Charlotte, Raleigh, Durham, they're they're over a ten year period, they're up twenty plus percent in population. Hey, I mean I've I've only bought in Florida, North Carolina, places where and different cities in yeah. North Carolina too, places where population growth is occurring, and I yeah. I echo your reasoning for that. And for arbitrage, too, I'm less concerned about the population growth. I would say it's really like supply and demand. You know, I look at a market and say, is there more people coming from a short-term basis, like year over year? If there's less people coming, then I'm like, yikes. And then is that supply, you know, going up so much where cause for concern? And unfortunately, it is in a lot of places. Supply for Airbnb, especially in the last like year or two, has gone bonanza in a lot of places. And that being said, that's why, you know, I want to make sure I'm making money on everything and I'm not entering into things where I don't make money because then you can't really do it anymore. <laughs> and that's why it's good to work with people like myself to like help you understand how to analyze things and to use, you know, softwares like BNB Calc so you can analyze things and run the numbers. I digress. Let's get back to yeah. Devin. So Devin, what would yeah. your recommend, and you know, you yeah. touched earlier on your kind of your recommendation, getting a high value scale. Usually I ask people, what is like a tangible tip for those looking to get into the short-term rental game? I know you're quasi in the short-term rental game, but let's just, what's your tangible tip for, you know, anyone looking to be successful in real estate, looking to have that financial freedom you talked about, looking to live their life on their own schedule? Yeah. So you're, you're going to need to get a loan. You should learn some basic personal finance. It's something that in America, it's not taught in school, but personal finance and how to get a loan is absurdly important for this. It's absurdly important for life in general, how to not rack up credit card debt, or understand what your cost of financing is when you're doing certain activities and why, you know, the last few years before rates really popped, why it was such an optimal time when like, like my house, my personal primary, I have a 30 year loan at 2.75% like jealous <laughs> yeah exactly that's because like I, I mean i bought that house seven years ago i refinanced twice since i bought the house added solar panels like financed the solar panels and had solar panels paying for themselves because i understood the finance component of it um wow so you literally underwrote solar panels to see how much your electrical savings would be and how much that was relative to the debt service on the electrical pay monthly payments or as the debt payments the monthly loan debt payments yeah, so it came with a deal on the financing of the solar panels that was something like 4% over 20 years. But I knew after I added the solar panels, I could refinance my primary, including oh. the solar panels, and bundle that all into the same loan. Got it. Okay. Wow. So Devin, is he's doing numbers on numbers on numbers here. Yeah. So plus, there's, plus there's a 30%, or at least the time it was 30% tax. Rebate. Tax. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. Devin, Devin's, we're, we're, playing, we're playing 2D chess he's playing 5d 5d here. Uh, okay so yeah. 
know your numbers, whatever yeah. you're doing. So if it's Airbnb, if it's personal finance, if it's your monthly, how much you make in a month and re relative to like what your credit card debt is, like why is, yeah, why is credit card debt at 20% terrible? You know, I've, I've been reading, I don't know if you've been reading on it on just like how much credit card debt we have and how much yeah. credit card debt is increasing right now. It's like honestly pretty frightening. And I think a lot of people don't really understand how giving American Express and Chase 20% is is kind of like, a, I would they say robbery. <laughs> it's like robbery. Like that's that to me, that's robbery. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you take a loan out to build a property with Devin, you're getting 7% debt, but that 7% debt, it's amortized. You know, you're getting equity each month. You're creating a valuable asset. And if you're doing the duplex strategy and the house hacking you talked about earlier, you're also living there. So I think these are all really good points. Uh, so yeah, so Devin, for those who are trying to reach out to you from construction, I hope people don't take this to, to reach out to Devin from an arbitrage standpoint, but <laughs> I mean, actually, I, whatever, do it. I mean, yeah. he's already going to probably referred to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but from like a, whatever, from if, if folks want to yeah. reach out to you, how can they find you? LinkedIn is probably the best way. I'm, I'm the I'm the only Devin Solo on the planet, as far as I know. So you should be able to just search my name and find me on LinkedIn. Go to our website, call the office. You can get my phone number that way. Shoot me an email. Yeah, I'm I'm relatively responsive and, and accessible, honestly. He's very responsive. If you want to know how real estate that is. Yeah, um, Devin and I used to just talk. Again, this was even pre the fact that we were doing deals together. You know, he would, we would talk 40 minutes about the state. And I guess I'll, I only have a couple minutes here, but uh, yeah, what is your opinion on the state of the economy, on the state of the housing market? I know you talked about you have some five-year debt. I have a very little amount of five-year debt. I'm going to be honest. The ones we have in five-year adjustable, I'm getting rid of them. I'm just selling them. They've already gone up a lot in value. We only have two of those and I'm actually only selling one. I digress. Yeah. What is your your opinion on like the state of interest rates, the state of the real estate market? I know I know you are still active, but just what's your thoughts as a whole? Yeah, there, there are still deals out there. You just got to find them. Well, one good thing is just like, I, you know, there are people out there Oh, we buying in upstate New York and there are deals in upstate New York. Look at how the deal works at cash flows. And it's like, man, upstate New York, you're, you're out of your mind. Like that breaks rule number one of real estate. You just follow the rules. It's like location, location, location. Just buy it in the right location and you'll probably be okay. That like trumps everything, even if you make a ton of other mistakes. I mean, the second rule, don't overpay. You know, that's obvious. Don't overpay. And then, you know, I, I say don't be an idiot, but really it's like, don't think that you're you're smarter than everybody else. You, you you probably aren't. You're certainly not smarter than everybody else in aggregate as a market moves. So when when you are thinking about where, where to find these deals, you know, and like everybody else is running from the hills from a house, you know, but it's such a great price. Like there's a reason for that. You're 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 not you don't see something that other go into the crawl space. <laughs> yeah. Somebody else probably went into the crawl space. Unless like literally like if it's if it's an auction, if it's on the market, like somebody's gone in space like Devin has been there he's already looked in that crawl space <laughs> exactly all right guys this episode is brought to you by crawl space the place <laughs> you should always go prior to making any transactions or offers on properties well Devin yeah. thank you so much for coming today look forward to continuing to grow with you seeing your portfolio grow see you accomplish the ambitious goals of sitting on the beach and having someone go into crawl space for you 
So, yeah, guys, maybe have Devin back when he's sipping some Mai Tais on the beach or in the mountains. And uh, stay tuned until the next time, guys. This is Short-Term Rental Pros. Devin, thank you again for coming. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, leave us a five-star rating, like, comment, and share this with someone you know that wants to invest in short-term rentals.